Welcome to the Fox Rugby Podcast, brought to you by Asuzu. You can go your own way, and a big thank you to Asuzu for supporting rugby through these tough times. And gee, it has been a huge week in rugby news, so it's great you ought to join us on the Fox Rugby Podcast. Um, checking in from my spare room, which is actually uh, now turned into my office. Um, Christy Doran and Sam Worthington, where are you, blokes? Swaney, mate, how are you? I'm, I'm uh, on my beachside residence at the moment. Uh, not quite. I'm actually in the spare bedroom as well, um, looking for a little bit of peace and quietity and sanity. These are, we keep using the word unprecedented, but these are tough times because each day I, I ring Sam and I ask him, mate, when's it going to end? When's it going to end? I want to speak to him. I want to see his face. But the reality is we're, all, all we're doing at the moment is virtual calling. Yeah, exactly right. Plenty of um, plenty of hangouts happening uh, around around the country. Um, but yeah, it is it is very very tough, and obviously a lot of our uh, colleagues in, in uh, the rugby world and the rugby media um, doing it very tough at the moment, which we'll cover in depth uh, later on. But yeah, I'm, I'm sitting outside in the in the home office uh, here, and then lucky that we still can uh, talk about rugby, and we're we're fit and healthy um, for the time being. But yeah, try and stay at home um, as much as possible, fellas. Boys, we'll, we'll get onto the juicy stuff in a minute. It's been a, a tumultuous week uh, in rugby land in Australia. But just, just quite quickly, has anyone actually their physical uh, activity? Um, I'm curious what the punters have been doing as well. But is anyone doing any more activity, physical activity, than they've ever done before? Uh, the answer to that for me would be absolutely not. Um, what I am doing is spending a lot of time in the backyard with my four-year-old um, getting him underneath the high ball. So he has been like hard at work under the high ball. Um, and, you know, in his four, so what, 15 years' time, 16 years' time, uh, we're going to see, you know, one of the greatest, um, you know, young talents under the high ball you've ever seen. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's uh, fair to say, Christy, I'm not doing a huge amount. Plenty of um, romantic walks with myself um, around to stretch the legs. and um, But, yeah, it's getting tougher and tougher. Even the, the coffee runs, you don't really want to um, be queuing up for coffees at these these times as well. So, yep, um, I have, I've seen um, Swaney's backyard uh, action going on there. You've been been working on your passing game a little bit as well, Swaney. There's some, there's some pretty impressive stuff that you're teaching the young fella. Yeah, look, I have been. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to just count the hours away a little bit and so getting some footy skills into him is is the go. I actually walked to the top of my street for the first time um, in two weeks today to go to the shops. Um, so that was that was fun. Um, but yeah, really, really has been, other than seeing the backyard, which you have seen, were though, it's been, it's been good to... Um, for you to come and, and drop a coffee off for me, which was very kind of you. But yeah, it, it, it's it's basically been uh, housebound. There are some great uh, new skills that people are. I don't know if we'd call all of them skills, but just weird stuff that people are doing. And um, but you're also Swaney showing a bit of talent on the the recorder, learning uh, <laughs> learning one famous famous tune. Can you just, just bring fill us in on that? Well, look, I've I've got it right here. I won't play it for the people on the podcast. Um, I've got my recorder. Um, which is the only musical instruments we've got in our house. And I, I, I am learning the tune Africa by Toto on the recorder. Um, and so that's going to be my goal in isolation is to, to get that um, tune, you know, looking, sounding good 
And, I reckon um, next. I'll become a party trick that I might be able to, you know, in 50 years' time when we're all looking back on COVID-19 and the time that we spent in isolation, I'll be able to play Africa by Toto. The bizarre yeah. thing is most parents try to get their children to stop playing the recorder. <laughs> like, that, that is a mind-boggling decision, a howler, I would call it. Um, uh, the, the reason why I ask about the physical activity is because you look at a lot of the players' Instagrams accounts at the moment, and I, and I reached out to Carmichael Hunt today and asked him how his Bronco recording went because he did one this morning. Um, and and I and he did it in five minutes. He told me that his best was about four thirty six, um, and I believe uh, Bowden Barrett once done, did one in about four thirteen. Um, so he's clearly one of the fittest and quickest rugby athletes out there. But why don't we all do and and get the punters involved as well? Uh, why don't we all do eventually a, a Bronco and see whether or not uh, we can improve that time over the course of the coronavirus? Can you just explain to us what a Bronco is? <laughs> I would have thought that you would have done it considering you, you were an athlete once upon a time, uh, Swaney, but a, a Bronco being 20 metres up, 20 metres back, 40 metres up, 40 metres back, 60 metres oh. up, 60 metres back, and you've got to do it five times. Yeah, right. That sounds like an absolutely terrible idea, Doran. But I tell you what um, would be a good work on for you in isolation is uh, work on your, your broad jump, your, um, your standing two-footed jump there and just work on your explosion. I bet you're, you're a bit of a um, long-distance athlete. You're, you're pretty good at your long-distance running, but I reckon we can improve your explosive um, aspects of your game a little bit. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, let's get into the juicy stuff. So, guys, the AGM at Rugby Australia on um, Monday, um, they weren't able to present a fully audited set of books. Um, $9.4 million loss they're recording. They're looking at a revenue loss this year, projected revenue of $120 million if there's no rugby played this year. Um, look, where do you start with all of this? Yeah, and that's it's important to um, point out that, uh, that that sort of two very separate events, weren't they? The Monday, the AGM, looking back at last year's um, results and, and that uh, projected $9 million. Um, and, and then, yeah, what's actually happening in, in the current climate. So things were pretty, you know, fairly dire, unfortunately, even before all of this uh, hit, which was the point Rod Kafer, of course, was making. Um, this week as well. So, yeah, the, just just so much to, to take in. They're not, not even able to uh, uh, you know, finish off their annual report and, and get all the full audited figures across because of uh, COVID. And, and uh, yeah, all, all this uncertainty has uh, caused a lot of angst with the Players Association who, who want to be a part of this process um, and, and feel that they've been a bit locked out. So, yeah, just uh, an enormous amount on uh, Railing Castle's plate at the moment. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, you know, the, there's, you know, jobs being lost everywhere in rugby at the moment. Um, you know, a lot of the people that, that we have to deal with on a daily basis over at Rugby Australia and all, all of the, the franchises, um, you know, right now have been stood down from their jobs. And, um, it, you know, it's sad times, really. And that, this is across the board, not, not just rugby. I know that this is happening everywhere. But, um, you know, where do you pick up the pieces, Christy? 
Well, this Rugby Australia is, is they're just hoping that, that uh, in a few months' time we're going to be able to see some rugby because the reality is if we don't, then the forecasted, projected, the worst-case scenario of the $120 million deficit, that starts to become a, a reality. They, they won't be able to pay contracts. Um, they won't be able to play the players. They won't be able to keep the Super Rugby franchises alive. They're, they're, the, they're the cold, hard packs. Should should Super Rugby be abandoned for the rest of the year, which is likely to happen, um, they could make deal with it. But it, it really comes down, and I, uh, we kind of addressed the point a little bit last week, it comes down to the test season. Both the July test, which look almost certain not to go ahead, but but the Rugby Championship home test, they are, they are huge. Uh, they need to go ahead uh, Rugby Australia. And, and if they can't go ahead in September or August, September, when they usually would, Trying to, to get them to, to get up and running come October and November, and perhaps even abandoning the idea of the um, of the spring tests. Maybe you're playing five Lotus League Cup games, which is what Tim Horan um, suggested that could could perhaps happen. And you've got to be innovative during these times. We, we spoke about it, the idea of a state of origin uh, series. Um, those sorts of things all have to come uh, and, and give some serious thought to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. I think most countries probably have to draw up multiple models, don't they? Um, and and I guess plan A is, is what they can do domestically. Um, and I think clearly some planning has gone into that, um, what, what countries like Australia and New Zealand could do domestically once this clears before there's any thought of international travel, because there's a real possibility that international travel could be off, uh, you know, not 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 just the rest of 2020, but that could potentially be an, an issue moving forward. So I think New Zealand's already uh, drawing up um, plans for next year um, for, for going fully domestic uh, if things um, if things are pretty dire still from a health perspective. So, yeah, while, while it is all ugly, there, there could potentially be, from a rugby perspective, a silver lining and that we are now getting some conversations the north and the south um, hemispheres about how to, to maybe better align things um, in the future. So, yeah, let, let's hope that uh, the boffins um, can can come together. And, and World Rugby, we, we need them to show a lot of leadership now, don't, don't we? Um, they um, not always, I guess, the most transparent organisation in, in the world and that they clearly have so many countries to to keep an eye on, but they do pull in a lot of money um, from Rugby World Cup. Of course, they've got some big, big time commercial um, agreements and, and yeah, they need, need to show some really strong leadership here and, and help um, nurse uh, many, many countries through these difficult times. The, the idea as well, and we've, we've heard a little bit about that, just reading some, some articles across the ditch in New Zealand of, of what they would make it potentially, rather than just the five, even super rugby sides, perhaps really bringing it back to a provincial level where you've got sides like Wellington um, up against uh, Canterbury. Something like that could happen in, the, in Australia. I don't think you could just, um, you know, it might not just be the five super rugby sides that are, that are spoken about. Maybe you, 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 you disperse all the players throughout their NRC teams. Could this perhaps be what the NRC actually needs? Um, but, but more to the point, and, and we heard, we've heard a couple of people speak about this now, is Content in Australia, it's, it is an issue that Super Rugby sides only have this year seven or eight home, home games um, going forward. That was going to be the case as well. When you've got competitions like the AFL and NRL where you can pretty much see your team play 
um, between the hours of two o'clock and nine o'clock of a day on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you're guaranteed to see your side, uh, what, 12, 13 times throughout a regular season in NRL and, and, and what, um, around 10 times in the AFL, uh, 10, 11 times in the AFL, uh, the, the rugby would be crying out to have, have that sort of platform to be able to show their best players playing on their home grounds that many respective games. So it could actually, you're right, Sam, there is a silver lining whether or not a competition could eventually get up and running. The, the finances support that. But I, I think ultimately, I think the public would actually be able to quite get behind uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I totally agree. I think that the fact that we're at a point where, you know, it's a terrible set of circumstances that we're having to do it, but it might be a chance to blow everything up and start again. Um, I, I don't mind that at all. There's so many strings and, and sort of, um, you know, lo- storylines to, to all of this. Um, the fact that, you know, Raylene Castle's taking a 50% pay cut, um, the execs are taking a 30% pay cut, but they haven't been able to reach an agreement with the players yet. Um, that is a sticking point at the moment, which is ongoing at the time that we're recording this, guys. Um, where, do, where do you see this one landing? Because, you know, there, there is a, a real possibility that at the end of this year there is no broadcast deal potentially or something like that, um, you know, come, come to fruition and then that the Rugby Australia have no source of income to pay their players. Yeah, look, it's it's very, very dire, very, very tight, and I think the players do understand that. It, it's still not entirely clear to me why Rugby Australia hasn't been able to be a bit more transparent um, with the players because clearly they care about the game as deeply as anyone, and, and the last thing they want to happen is the game to go broke. So, I mean, Phil Kearns raised it today on Fox Sports News. Um, you know, if the players were looped into all these discussions, maybe not as many Rugby Australia staff had would have had to have been stood down um, and potentially we're dealing in hypotheticals because we, we just don't know. But clearly uh, the next Railing Castle, we've heard it break it down into three-month blocks, into quarterly blocks, and, and uh, the next three-month block when, when there's unlikely to be any rugby, um, uh, the, the, the players clearly need to suck it up and, and um, have their wages stripped right back. So whether that's on just the, the basic, um, what, what, what a, what a entry-level Super Rugby player would be on, sort of a 50K per year um, base, basis just to at least pay the bills over the next uh, th- three months. Um, uh, look, I, I hope the players can, um, can a- agree to that because while I know they've only got a short time in the sport, a lot of them are paid pretty well. So, um, look, I'm, I'm sure that will happen. Justin Harrison's got a big big job on his hands here because you don't want to uh, – norm, normally these the dealings are quite cutthroat and, and, and harsh and, and you want to be fighting for every dollar and cent, but this is such a unique um, circumstance where, where literally the, the, the future of the game is at stake here. So, yeah, I just hope that common sense prevails and, and they, don't, they don't really draw this out and make it too ugly because, because um, there's enough to, to worry about at the moment with, with people's um, health and, and livelihood. Yeah, there's a couple of issues as well. Raylan Castle, it's probably, you could say, just off the bat, it's quite admirable that a 50% pay cut, like, that's significant. We can't we can't say that it's not. The exec team, 30%. I know that there's people internally that are, um, think that perhaps that number should have been higher, particularly from the executive point of view. Um, the, the fact, though, that they've had the 50% and the 30%, the players will probably, you'd imagine, would feel aggrieved if they've, they're, they're going to have to take more of a hit. 
um, and, and we expect them to have to probably take more of a hit. I know that Justin Harrison, when he came out and said, well, that we're working on the assumption that it'll be between those two figures, given that that's what RA is doing. But in reality, that seems very unlikely. To go back to Tim Horan, I think it was earlier in the week, he said 75%, which is a, which is a, a big number. It's a number that's been floated in other codes as well. Um, but the other issue is how does rugby in Australia come out and how do they look in, in, in perhaps six months' time if we get back and, and playing some rugby and super rugby can go ahead next year? What kind of players are going to be left um, here? Will they, will they go overseas? Will the dollars and the, and the euro, the pound, um, the yen be so strong, so tempting that they will, uh, given the financial, um, the lack of financial strength in, in Australia at the moment, whether or not that sees a whole flux of players go overseas. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Japanese rugby, I mean, probably looks like it could be one of the first leagues to get restarted in, in world rugby at the moment. They're doing a very good job. They're very compliant up there in Japan, so they're doing a good job flattening the curve. Um, you know, they could be the, the league that gets started first and uh, they might be able to poach a whole raft of players. It's, it's a really good point you make there, Christy. Yeah, look, I'm not, I'm not so sure. I mean, clearly, yeah, unions across the world are going to be, um, are going to be pretty flattened by this. So it's, it's just so hard to, to know such an uncertain um, future. But that, this is the type of um, freakish event which, which could see um, New Zealand and Australia cut ties with South Africa and potentially link up with with Japan and, and the Pacific Islands, um, in a more in a, in a time zone friendly competition in the future. But yeah, at the moment it's just bunkering down and literally trying to get from from week to week. And uh, yeah, the, the the players themselves it's such so hard when they're I've heard some of them speaking on TV recently. They're they're such creatures of, of habit and need you know need uh, dates in mind to look forward to and, and to target from an athletic perspective. But at the moment, they don't have any of that. So they're just a, a little bit lost, I think. Um, and, and it's going to be really interesting to see, I guess, which which uh, teams and, and players come out of this. Um, the, the most professional, of course, will will, um, will probably do, do the best coming out of this. And it, it is hard for Australia as well because I think uh, New Zealand, for instance, uh, their um, staff have only taken a 20% pay cut. So they're going to be able to tick, tick along um, with all their staff still planning and, and working mostly on a full-time basis over there. So it does put Australia in, in a pretty tough position with, with 75% of the staff um, laid low at the moment. So, from, from a leadership perspective, it was uh, one former Wallaby told me yesterday that uh, he coined a, a term, a phrase from, from uh, Winston Churchill saying, never waste a good crisis. And, and that's really, I think, the attitude that, uh, rugby in Australia it really needs to take forward now. Um, it'll be a what w- this will really be the making, um, or could be the making of, of Raylene Castle. Um, her her position still is 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 questioned by some areas uh, within the rugby factions and, and outside as well. But but there's no doubt that uh, some strong leadership and and uh, the right decisions desperately need to be made. So whatever happens, um, as that former Wallaby said, Australia and rugby really needs to to make good of, of the situation that will be forthcoming. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that we all should be the, the collective goal from all of Australian rugby 
um, you know, rugby around the world is that there is a professional game in 2021. We need that to be the goal, that's for sure. Yeah, it is interesting to see how different uh, unions are going about it as well. We've got uh, the Queensland Rugby Union, which tried to put a more positive spin on things, and, and they're hoping that all their staff can actually continue working in, in some capacity with the, the new JobKeeper government announcement. So I guess that was... Um, yeah, Raylan Castle certainly very grateful for that as well. That that government support will at least um, be able to keep um, organisations treading water. Um, you know, while while they'll have to um, strip things back and, and cut costs, uh, clearly for the time being, that will hopefully um, keep people's heads above water for the time being. Yeah, good shout. All right, well, let's. Um, well, you you just mentioned the Queensland Reds there, were though? Well, we've got one of the Queensland Reds on the line. Let's go and have a quick chat to. James O'Connor. Well, great pleasure to be joined up in Queensland by James O'Connor. James, how are you, mate? How's isolation treating you? Yeah, it's strange times, isn't it? Very strange indeed. But, uh, well, yeah, look, for me, I'm just uh, trying to continue as uh, well, as normal as possible and uh, actually tweaking a few things that I would like to... Well, there's a couple of things I identified at the start of the year that I want to put a bit more energy into and just sort of coming into the Reds and just going straight into it. I haven't, didn't get the time to really develop those skills. So for me, I'm actually going to put a bit of energy into those little skills like kicking and speed work, et cetera. So it's not too bad apart from uh, having to do everything by myself. Yeah, are you in complete uh, isolation in terms of training at the moment, mate, or do you have a little uh, training buddy or two? Yeah, so we obviously we started off like with the smaller groups and it was sort of went from like down from 10 to 3 and now we can only sort of do one-on-one. So for myself, uh, Dave Aldred, the kicking coach, works with um, Johnny Wilkinson Sexton, is actually over here at the moment and he's stuck. So it's been uh, pretty ideal for me, I guess, in a way. So I've got another couple, well, another sort of six weeks with him, I think, until he's going to shoot off. So that's been... It's sort of one blessing that's come out of it. And there's another guy, um, Mark Ladbrook, a sprint coach. So I've been working with him as well. But in terms of the other players, the only guy I'm allowed to see at the moment is uh, Isaac Brodder. Uh, <laughs> we're only allowed sort of one-on-one stuff, and he's got a good little home gym set up. So me and him have been doing a bit of a few hills and some gym and trying to keep up with a big fella on the squat rack. Big Zachy. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that in a moment. Can you, can you just tell us a little bit about Dave and um, the kicking that you're going through? Because you haven't been able to kick goals yet this year. So what, what kind of principles does he like to teach? And, and uh, have you noticed any differences yet? Yes, huge sort of differences in what he's tweaking. So I guess for me, I stopped kicking probably about three years ago when I had some troubles with my ankles. I just literally couldn't get in the position. I was just probably only training once a week, to be fair, and double strapping it up. So... That sort of started the decline, and then I um, hurt my groin before the World Cup. Well, sort of as soon as I got back into Australia, so that stunted all sort of forms of kicking. So I actually hadn't really kicked a football before round two when I played against the Lions, out of hand. So for me right now, I've, um, we've just been breaking everything down um, and just pretty much starting from scratch. So the left foot's probably coming on, has come on quicker than the right foot, to be fair, because I had a couple of bad habits I needed to break down and sort of relearn. But I guess every, everything with Dave is all about sort of less is more. Um, it's using sort of your body and your force and I guess your body's sort of natural movements and biomechanics to, you know, create the force for the kick. So you're getting a nice sort of, I guess, so you're really smashing the ball sort of low. And for me, it would be almost like beating the fullback to the corner and sort of getting that projection where you know, the ball's faster than the man. 
Yeah, James, you obviously did a lot of goal kicking uh, earlier in your career as well. Um, but I think it's the injury that's been restricting you from that recently. Like, is that is that something you want to get back 100% um, as a string to your bow once we get out of this crazy time? Oh, yeah, 100%. Only, I guess it helps you get selected in teams, having a good, like, if you can goal kick, that's sort of, you can put your hand up for that. But I guess for me personally, I always enjoyed it because it kept me sort of engaged in the game. Um, you know, in those sort of, not just the big moments, but you can find sort of when other guys are taking the kick, there is a lot of sort of space to, it's not bad sort of doing that at the moment, obviously, because I'm playing 10 to be able to sort of talk to the troops and, you know, get a feel out of the game and sort of what's going to come next, how sort of we want to attack the next 15 minutes. But really on a personal note, it does sort of just allow you to just hone in and be completely immersed in just the environment and stay, yeah, stay connected. So uh, it's coming along now. I'm starting to strike the ball a lot better now. It's been uh, a big sort of learning process because I've started to kick the ball up a lower tee in a different way to where I used to do it. Um, I just can't get the range of my ankles anymore to be able to kick frontal. So I've come lower and uh, coming around the corner, like uh, all the, I guess all the kickers in all this hemisphere. Mate, Dave Aldred yeah. is Francesco Molinari's golf coach as well. So is he helping yeah. you out there? Do you, do you play a bit of golf or is that, you can have a bit of time up your hand, on your hands, I reckon? I, I can't say I do. I've had a little hit around, but if I if I claim anything, the boys will be right on top of that because I'm not the sharpest at it. I'm, ever, uh, I'm all si- back. I'm all back. I'm too stiff for that. <laughs> ever since Swaney had a hit with Matt Tamua at the end of last year at, uh, at the Australian, that's all he's been talking about, uh, slipping in goal questions left, right and centre. Um, the idea... <laughs> The, the idea of the lower kicking tee position, is, is that something that, uh, that, that you hadn't done before? And, and what are the differences around there? I think, well, I think Australian kickers in particular, and I guess over the ditch in New Zealand, we just, we learn off higher tees and sort of slanting the ball that way instead of up and down. And I guess that's probably comes back to how we kick out of hand as well. We're, we're almost, we're very leggy. We, our sort of, I think it's sort of come from AFL where sort of we do move forward into the ball, but we sort of break our core structure. So if you look at biomechanically, I guess like you said, Dave's a golf coach as well. Your leg, both your legs are the same length, so it doesn't make sense to be sort of kicking off a tee that's higher because then obviously you're leaning away, you lose, you're getting leakages of energy out the side, and it sort of you can kick it further off a high tee. Not going to say you can't, but uh, accuracy-wise, well we'll see anyway. We'll see when I come back. I'm getting smoother. But a real yeah, kicking, real kicking masterclass. This, yeah. But the, uh, so the idea, the idea behind it all is just to have, like, with kicking out ahead. Everything Dave does is sort of, like I said, less is more. It's using your body, using, I guess, your movement going forward to to hit the ball and strike and and smother on top of it to keep it, you know, punctured low and and accurate. Hey James, um, a really tumultuous time for the whole world, not only the, the rugby world at the moment with, with COVID and the shutdown. Um, what, what's been going on just internally with, with Queensland? Obviously there's been staff cuts, you guys are in, in, yeah. in lockdown. Um, Brad, Brad Thorne still obviously running the program as best he, he can, but like, what, what sort of communication and chats going around um, at the moment? Very, very uncertain times. Well, I guess that's the thing. There's obviously there's communication all through. We've got different group chats and like the the guys at the top are sort of keeping us involved in sort of not really in the decisions, but sort of after it sort of happened. I went and uh, had some physio with Cam Lillycrap today, so I, I wasn't aware that a few of the guys have been let go. I haven't followed it as closely over the last few days, but obviously I think it's the contracted staff have been sort of um, 
you let go at the moment and I think uh, all the other guys are sort of taking pay cuts and whatnot. But, you know, ours is about to come. We're just sort of trying to find out now what the numbers are going to be like. And in terms of the players, like, we're just trying to move. Like, like I said, normality is sort of the key for us. We're just trying to make little gains where we can. And I know you can't really enjoy this time, but can sort of make the most. For the older guys, you know, use the time to, you know, rest your body and develop different areas. And for the younger guys, it's... It's a, a big learning curve for them. They can start sort of watching more footage and really break down the side of the air. Like in the games, that probably lots of them haven't played Super Rugby before. So for them, I know they're getting a lot and improving each week. So we've got a big sort of focus sort of that's come from sort of the coaching group to the players to really hone our individual game and, and, also, and come back almost with a presentation of how we can get better and you can get better as an individual player. One of the disappointing things with, uh, with, with the, the temporary suspension is the fact that the Reds were actually starting to play some really good rugby. Even in the losses, they'd been really tight. They'd been competitive. Um, uh, have you felt... I know that pre-season, you felt like there, there was something about this team that was showing a fair bit. But now, seven rounds into the competition, where do you think, and if, if any more rugby can be played this year, and if not next year, um, how... how where can this Reds group go to, do you think? Well, that's the thing. The, I don't want to put a limit on it because, like I said, I came in and uh, I felt the group and the energy that was there. And just, for me, it's almost been the willingness to learn, the willingness to learn. Uh, they're just so um, adaptable and just, just want to take it on. Everyone sort of wants to get better. You've got guys like your Wilsons and like your phrases and stuff who are literally, I'm on the field trying to organise the next plan. They're just whispering away, like, bro, put me through a hole. Put me through a hole. Wait, let's do this play. <laughs> I'm just like, wait, relax. Let me just get a play. So they just, they want the ball in their hands. And they want to attack and they want to play. So for me, it's been a pleasure just to be able to sort of guide them around and sort of really find my own feet as well in that position of 10. And just, I'm really starting to enjoy, starting to enjoy it. So in terms of capabilities, even from the start of the year, our attacking structure was always good. We just weren't quite weren't like winning those sort of key moments. And there was a, a couple of little areas as well that our game was sort of breaking down. But we started to get the balance right in terms of when to, when to attack, when we should just sort of put it long and, you know, use the defence and also fix a few of the defensive structures up. Um, but yeah, look, it is disappointing because they were starting to really build and we were starting to get uh, get the results. Yeah, some of those young kids at the Reds, James, um, obviously Harry Wilson's caught the eye. We've got Fraser McWright, uh, Hunter Payasami. Like, yeah. How excited are you by that, that crop of players? And um, yeah, anyone else that I've missed there? Isaac Lucas as well. Like, anyone else that's really stood out to you? Oh, that's what I mean. Like, got Jock Campbell, Hamish Stewart, sort of, even there. Yeah, even some of the veterans and like Spadey in terms of the backline, like everyone's just doing their role and understands it to a level where it's it's just sort of been easy to direct the play and for us to sort of create momentum. Um, like I said the 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 young the young guys come through. I can't speak more highly. Like they're very adaptable and they they want to learn. Like I remember sort of at my age, I don't think I was as aware as sort of they are. Um, you know, they're coming in and they're literally open to sort of everything which is, yeah, it's literally been a pleasure to, to work with. Obviously, there is lots of things sort of we need to still build on, um, but in terms of just the men that are sort of coming out of Queensland and just the way that we've been able to retain that talent, there's a, I think we're going to go sort of one way, and I'm, I'm excited to not only sort of be a part of it, but just to, to see their, their growth and to see where they can get to. And Wallaby stuff, mate. Um, like, as I think previously you said, maybe number twelve was your preferred position, but you're starting to feel more and more at home at 
10, clearly um, when we do get back up and running, there's, there's a, a vacant jersey there. Like, is that you're 100% focused on the, the 10 now with, with what Brad Thorne's asked to do? Yeah, well, I guess for, we're still, my mind is still on Super Rugby season. I don't know sort of what's going to happen with it yet. But away from that, like I'm working on the, the little skills that I identified and I think it was sort of pretty obvious the little things I needed to work on in terms of when I first took on that 10 jersey. So my kicking game is sort of one area that I want to work on out of hand as well, just being able to pull, you know, a low torpedo out of the armory when it's when it's required or a left foot kick to the corner, like all these things are on their way and they're coming and I'm starting to see some good results. So it's, for me, it's pretty empowering. And then uh, I lost about a yard of speed when I, when I did my ankles and sort of bulked up. So now that I'm playing 10, I've sort of trimmed down a little bit and I'm starting to find my footwork back and to really be able to attack the line. But I wanted to work on that as well. So that's coming along. But and saying that, yeah, I'm enjoying 10. It's a new challenge. You had a couple of runs in the uh, in the 10 jersey against the Lions back in 13. But, but really um, proving that you're an international fly half, if that is where you end up, is, is that one of the real big drivers for you? Uh, it's not so much proving anything. It's just, like, if it's meant to be, it's sort of meant to be. And it just I've sort of just found myself there. I didn't really say, oh, yeah, play me here. This is what I, I want. It was more... Didn't really get too much of the ball like I wanted sort of in the World Cup. I was sort of playing out of position and I wasn't as quick as I wanted because obviously my groin wasn't allowing me to sort of get to full speed. So it sort of frustrated me a little bit, but just made me hungry to, you know, I feel my best suited position. I think I've maybe proved that now was to be in closer with my hands on the ball and more ball playing. If I look back to that Lions series, like I was just a kid. Like I actually didn't quite, I didn't understand the game of rugby. I knew it sort of from a, a running sort of perspective. And, but in terms of like, knowledge of how to play 10 obviously with the language barrier but I was like I, I don't know what I'm doing here so I literally was like All right, I'm scared of this position move me out so I moved out to the fullback wing played a bit of center and then sort of when I went to sale I, I played a little bit of 10 but I sort of was like this is I'm going to focus on that 12 position and make this my own and um, now I guess we've come sort of full circle and I've realized I don't really want to be running into those big boys anymore having to be that power player I think my mind's sort of my, my mind. There's some big boys out there in the centres now. <laughs> I had to, especially playing over in the UK, it's a, it's a tighter game. And as a centre, you're sort of defending us at third last and you end up chopping like your Billy Vinopolos and those sort of guys. So the shoulder's got a good workout. But I think, you know, as, much, as much as I can move well and I guess my evasive skills and playing from instincts, uh, my strength, it all sort of comes from my mind now, being able to sort of scope the field, pick the space, feel, I guess, feel where we are as a team and whether we can attack the line hard, whether we should play out the back early. Those are sort of the skills I've picked up and what I'm really enjoying at this stage and using these guys, like you said, Hunter, coming onto the ball, just hitting unreal lines flat and just getting over the game line, then allowing me to sort of get a second touch and float around and pick the space again, which has been uh, enjoyable. Last one, James. Hey, before we let you go, mate, so the million-dollar question that everyone's asking, like, how are you staying uh, sane in between those kicking drills around, around the house, plenty of um, downtime and, and lockdown? Like, what, what is it movies? Is it books? Is it, uh, I think, meditation? You, you're doing that yeah, sort yeah. of stuff. Today. So how are you filling the time? Yeah, so I've got not the best home gym, but I've set up a little gym here, and obviously I'm... Um, so I'm, so I'm on the Gold Coast at the moment. When I do kicking, I travel up about an hour and sort of 15 to the kicking session. So a big chunk of my day is going towards training. Then away from that, um, I've got a new pup who's uh, 
yeah, he's taken a lot of my times up, <laughs> a lot of a lot of my time. But uh, yeah, I do quite a bit of reading now. I'm not going to say I don't watch TV because I'm watching that Westworld, Westworld on Netflix. That's uh, that's pretty good. Um, but other than that, I've, I do a lot of work with uh, that organisation, Save Your World. Now, sort of um, reaching out in, in that respect, I have quite a few people hitting me up on Instagram. So I'm, not that I'm saying I'm a teacher now, I wouldn't wouldn't claim to be that, but I'm just trying to share a bit of my knowledge and. I guess going from it, I'm, I'm finding I'm only really disconnected from my phone about some 9.30 at night where I can actually unwind. So we're, um, we're building momentum, that's for sure. Good stuff, mate. Oh, James, mate, thanks so much for um, for joining us on the Fox Rugby podcast today. The Zoom, we finally worked out the technology. The we're starting to, get, we're starting to get, get there with this sort of thing. So it's a great new world with the, with the podcast record. So thanks for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. Hopefully we can catch up with you soon. Yeah, pleasure. That sounds good. Uh, cheers, guys. Sorry for the, uh, the delay as well. Thanks, mate. Catch you soon. Thanks, uh, mate. Yeah, see you soon. James O'Connor there, Christy, Sam. He's just uh, matured into a, uh, a, a much uh, more well-rounded human since, he, since he's come back to Australian rugby, hasn't he? He's totally blown everyone away. I remember being uh, at the the Wallabies at the at the Qantas hangar before they went out in the World Cup, and I asked one or two players, just didn't want a, a public record, just off the record, guys. Do you totally are you believing the whole James O'Connor? Like, like are you totally buying it? And and they all were like, well, it's it's a bit different, but yeah, like that that they they were on board, but it really blew everyone by surprise when he returned uh, a little bit less than a year ago what nine nine months ago or so and and um, he really hasn't put a, a step wrong since then there were there were, there were questions around Brad Dawn having let go of Quade Cooper and, and Carmichael Hunt and James Slipper had a really hard firm line um, around the culture and here he was bringing back a guy could, and ex- allowing a guy like James O'Connor to come back it was it was a big, bold play, but at the moment, it's, it's really worked and it's great to see. It's one of the great stories that Australian rugby probably can celebrate in, in recent years. Yeah, it is an awesome story. Um, yeah, the way that he's you know tackled his, his demons head on instead of running for him and that, that's clearly saved his career and, and, and you know maybe even completely turned his actual life around um, to a large degree. And yeah, you can see why he was able to convince Brad Thorne. I think he sat down with Brad Thorne for a coffee when he when he said that he was keen to come come home, and um, and was able to look him in the eye and convince him, and you can see why because it's just so so genuine. Um, so yeah, Saviour World, he, he's found his um, salvation there, and uh, yeah, just just great to see him playing good footy and, and leading the young guys around. And what what do you guys think? To, is, whenever we do get Test football again, is it going to be him wearing the the Wallabies number ten? Do you think? Uh, I tend to think personally it'll be maybe a job share with him and Matt. Samoa, ten and twelve, and they, um, regardless of the number on their back, that they somewhat share those playmaking duties. A bit of a, a Ford Farrell type arrangement. That's a good question. I, I, I reckon, yeah, Matt Samoa and James O'Connor are the two guys that I, I would see in the ten and twelve jersey at this point. Like, and just going off the you know seven odd weeks that we had of Super Rugby, they, those guys were the the two that. Probably showed the best, you know, control and um, you know best variety of game as well. And I, I think that they could combine pretty well as well. You know, they're, they're um, you know, they're not not spring chickens anymore. They're they're a little bit wiser. Um, and I think there are there will be a, a quite a few young guys in the Wallaby squad um, 
in the next sort of, you know, whenever that next Wallaby squad is, there will be a few youngsters in there. So to have those couple of experienced heads there, I think would work. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things I think about it. The first is that this will be a, a short-term solution, I think. It's a one- to two-year solution. We're not thinking about who's going to be the 10 now for four years' time. Who knows who will excel out of Will Harrison now, Noah Lelesio, um, and there's a bunch of other guys coming through the ranks as well. Who knows who will take that jersey in, in a couple of years' time. But for the time being, you've got to make the decision as to whether or not you want to go back to a, a Matt Guido um, Bernard Foley situation where you have two playmakers there at the 10-12 or what the more modern way of, of and a lot, of, a lot of coaches are doing is having a big uh, big man at 12 that's going to get over the advantage line and perhaps a more school, skillful 13. So whether or not we have the Tamur James O'Connor, which would probably be the safe option, I think, or at 10-12, and, and who knows, it might be O'Connor at 10, might be uh, Tamur at 10. Um it would be interesting just to see how Dave Rennie wants to approach his side from a tactical perspective around that. I think that's the, the real big one. And and do we have a 12 now that can do that without Samu Karevi if he's not eligible? I'm not sure we totally do, but there's a couple of guys that are pressing who could do those sorts of roles. I think like uh, um, uh, like a Hunter Paisami. But we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see and... and um, it's it's an exciting thing because we're talking about different names anyway. Yeah, well, let's um, let's move it on. So, would any of those guys ever make your World 15s, guys? So, we've been over the last couple of days having a bit of fun uh, naming our World 15s draft style. So, no team can be the same. No team can have the same player in it. Um, were they, are you happy with your lineup thus far, mate? Yeah, yeah. Look, um, you'd be pretty disappointed if you. You weren't happy with your own team. Everyone's got their own pre- preferences, don't they? But, yeah, I, I kicked off the draft uh, with big Ty Furlong. I, I knew that you were a bit of a fan, so I wanted to get under your skin a bit with the big Irish uh, tight head. So he was a pretty good starting point. And then I went to Brody Retallick and, and Artie Sevilla to, to beef up that pack. I've got Aaron Smith in there. Who else have I got? Uh, Jonathan Davis at... At number thirteen, so yeah, I, I'm pretty happy. I've got a couple of um, at time of recording. I've got a couple of wild cards to come to to rattle your cages as well. So yeah, I'm I'm quietly confident with where I'm at. Christy, surely you think that your team would wipe the floor with uh, with Sam's team because you've just been throwing the shade on the group chat constantly, <laughs> haven't you? Well, look, when you end up with Bowden Barrett first after a two-time World Player of the Year, you pick him at 10. Um, I think that was the real game changer when you've got that guy's we, class. We gave, we gave you the first pick out of sympathy, mate. That was Yeah, it was sympathy. alphabetical order, let's face it. So Christy Doran wins that out of all of them. So the reality is you can pick any player, just to spell it out nice and clear, you can pick any player around the world and uh, you're just taking turns, basically. Um, but I think Bowden Barrett at 10, you've got Cheslin Colby, the pocket rocket, was probably one of the, the stars coming out of the World Cup, one of those blokes that surprised a lot of people. We know that he'd been killing it for Toulouse in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the French uh, top 14, um, but, but this, this is a back line with a lot of fear. Uh, Mara Toja, a, former, a future Lions captain, um, Kyle Sinclair, Sam Kane, Dwayne Vermeulen, it's, it's got a, a beautiful combination between power plays, uh, experience, leadership, and then the, just the, the class with Barrett and Colby. I, I wouldn't think you guys have a chance. Oh, wow. 
Those are strong words, mate. Swainy, you've. Um, I want to start with your bolter. It's it's a Pharaoh bolter, and he's a Fox Rugby podcast uh, favourite. Harry Wilson at number eight in a World Fifteen, mate. Yeah, well, look, when, we, when we're talking barbarian-style teams, there's always one uncapped bolter, and I don't think you'd be – I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a better performing forward in the first seven weeks of Super Rugby than Harry Wilson. Scott Robertson came out and said he's he's uh, falling for him. He's got a man crush on Harry Wilson. Um, you know, he's still young. He's still uh, – he's being picked on potential, but he was my number eight, and I – like, I – I, I, I imp- guys to argue against it because I think he's a pretty pretty solid player Oh look he's a, a very solid player, um, he'll be chuffed to learn that he's, he's in a World 15 when we uh, when we tweet <laughs> that out the, the young man but yeah, uh, number 8 I found a bit of a head scratcher, I ended up with uh, Sia Khaleesi as my captain there but the, yeah, Vermeulen was a good good pick from, from Doran and then you've got um, quite a few guys that have had a few injury problems. Uh, Billy Bonapola, um, Toby Felatel, Wales. Um, what about options, but maybe maybe not I've the great all round number eight. I've got one that we've all missed, and he was. He, I was very close to picking him, but I needed I needed to pick Harry because he's a brother's boy and Queensland red. Um, but Gregory Aldrit from mm-hmm. yep. French team. He's been one of the. He was one of the best in the Six Nations as well. Uh, at number eight. So I think he was one that slipped under the radar from Wolves. Yeah, well, your very first pick was uh, Antoine Dupont, wasn't it? The, the yeah. little French uh, maestro halfback. So I like that. But the French uh, are coming along big time. They've got a very exciting young team. That was um, one of the many shames, I guess, of uh, rugby going into hiatus was was not being able to see the Six Nations um, being, being completed. The French were getting a few... Speed wobbles there, but yeah, it's exciting. Um, I think world rugby is just just better when the when the French are going well. Well, you can help us out as well. Make sure you tweet us, uh, you know, at Fox Rugby or you know on Tell our personal Twitter are, accounts, sure. and yeah, send us your thoughts on um, what you think, who you think should be in the World Fifteen. Sam, that that article will be up on the Fox Sports website in the next uh, couple of days, will it? Uh, fingers crossed. If I um, if I stop. Uh, talking to you guys and do some work, I'll um, I'll hopefully knock that out. I think Doran's uh, on the clock at the moment, isn't he? Doran's on the clock. It's next pick. Yeah, yeah, you're on the clock, mate. You do need do to it, pick the next player. So we start, do, I think we've got you, about four or five players each left to pick. So do you want to make your next style. pick uh, live on the podcast? Uh, good shout. Sure. Um, let's let's jump in. <laughs> let's jump into it. Um, for, for everyone that doesn't know, I've got my second row combination sorted. I'm just missing a couple of people up front and uh, in the back line as well. I'm going to go with someone who's got a bit of X factor about him uh, and a guy that is is a British and Irish line. I'm going to go at fullback. It's a toss up between Stuart Hogg and uh, Williams. Liam Williams. I'm going to go Stuart Hogg. Fullback. Right. Oh, there you go. You heard it here first nice. on the Fox Rugby podcast. You're gonna to have to put that in the uh, group chat, Christy. Otherwise, it might be void, null and void. <laughs> um, so you're gonna to have to put that in writing, my friend. <laughs> Gents, uh, thanks so much for uh, joining us from your respective living rooms, and um, Christy, your, your palace up there on the northern beaches. Thanks for finally getting the internet working up there. No, no, no problems, mate. Happy to join. I know that the Bureau is going pretty strong there in Mossman with uh, every other rugby man out there. 
Yeah, look, the, the Cremorne Bureau down here, um, Sam Worthington, Christy, uh, and myself. We've got Zeta, Zeta out there. Big shout-out to you again, Zeta. And Benny Glover, we didn't get to give him a mention um, last time. So, Benny, this, this has been the support bureau in these tough times down here in Cremorne. So it's been good to, to be able to bounce a few ideas off those people, were they, hasn't it? Oh, 100%, mate. Some very sound sporting minds you've just uh, listed there. And, and Christy, can you just uh, sign off with a, a little apology to, to Zeta for last week? <laughs> well, I'm, 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 I'm glad Zeta's been brought up again. I might have actually had a message fired across my way the other day when she wasn't particularly happy when I pretended I didn't know her. But um, good on her. Thanks for tuning in. Please leave us a, a comment on iTunes or Wooshka or wherever you want to leave it on Twitter. Ask us your questions. Let us know. We'll try to get to them in the coming weeks. Well, Christy Dore and Sam Worthington, thank you, fellas, for your company, and thank you for your company at home. Big thank you also to Azuzu. You can go your own way for supporting the Fox Rugby podcast. Uh, make sure you stay safe, social distancing. We don't want to see anyone getting too close, and make sure you keep those hands washed. Don't touch your face, all those things. Uh, and we'll catch you next week.